0: And welcome to Mastering Dungeons. I am your solo host, Teos Abadia. Sean Merwin is off pressing his luck on vacation. We hope that he is having a good, fortunate time in the place no one speaks about, the Feywild, Uh, I mean, Las Vegas. Uh, But I have very (laughs) special guests today. I have Claudia Sanchez and Miguel Ballesteros here, uh, known as Mike Ballas on Twitter, uh and and claudia what is your handle again i don't have in front of me
1: uh cy morgan or yeah. Morgan Citarian.
0: yeah so we uh wanted to have you on the show to talk about the work that you've been doing uh with conventions and with role-playing in spanish It's how i ended up meeting you as was through packs and plug many years ago so we'll talk about all of that but we have a few things beforehand that we want to get into and then we will uh get all into your background and conventions and all of that. So, we have a couple of items that came in through as Sean Merwin calls it, the tweet bag. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> a bag full of tweets.
0: <laughs> it's a bag full of tweets. Uh it's what everybody wants in life. And he asks uh, or there actually there are two questions here that that uh that our our, fr- our friends and fans put together. And I thought they'd be really good to get uh, Claudia and Miguel's uh, feedback here for these. So RPG Match writes that he agrees with Sean Merwin and says, D&D would be better if you only needed to make one or two choices at first level. But then RPG Match says, what if we unlock a feat at every level? What do you think? And I want to hear what Claudia and Miguel think about this. No. (laughs) <laughs> why why no claudia
1: um i agree <laughs> yeah. with this idea of having just one or two things at the beginning if if you're a new player it would be a lot friendlier but i think feats uh, a feat every level would be too much like at level five you'd have uh i don't know four or five of them and you would be like i don't know it's too much i think
0: how about you, Mike?
2: I, I think, I mean, there's there's two sides to it because it does complicate things for people that are starting. But also, if you think about the game, how, how D&D works right now, most of the games that are run uh, throughout the general audience go for like just up to Tier 2. At that, like, regularly, you play uh, Tier 1 and Tier 2. So I guess offering more options to customize your character uh, on that is a way to patch the issue because but, but I think it just delves more into the problem that we don't have content that goes into tier 3 and 4, which is level 11 to 20 uh, and concentrates everything again to the start of it. Um, there are games that have this granularity where you are picking options all the time on the first uh, couple of levels and people enjoy that, but I think D&D on its its structure uh, found the sweet spot between customizing your character and not making it too complex. So while I would enjoy, because if you look at one D&D, they're moving towards a little bit of that. Like you start your character and now you get a feat, even if you're not human. And then if you are human, you get an additional one. (laughs) So... Uh, I guess there's there's something to look into uh, that might be happening uh towards this direction, but I don't think uh a feTA level is something that we're gonna see uh, anytime short. I wouldn't mind either way uh it's just different gameplays or you add a, a an additional level of uh complication i guess to 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 the build for new uh players
0: yeah, I like that this uh topic came up on my patreon and and it was interesting to see the, the just like you're saying, like, like the different perspectives. Some people are like, well, this is great because I could customize my character and make it exactly what I want. And in third edition, the fighter kind of operated that way. You got a feat at every level. Um, but what was pointed out that I thought really resonated with me was the idea that when you get a feat, yes, you get to choose everything you want, but you're also now not being sort of iconic. Whereas when D&D designers design the class for you and give you a feature or even a choice of features, that feels iconic. It's like the things that the class gets, like even like a ranger choosing, you know, is it bows or is it swords? And, you know, what are my what are my abilities at each level? You are sort of choosing from this iconic passage and package and it helps it make a little more understandable to everybody and faster, right? way faster to pick. So I'm not a huge fan of having lots of feats. It's not that I can't like feats, but I I think that I prefer the flavor features better. Yeah, it's really interesting. Our second question is from Dave Rosser, super fan. And he says he's been watching Wizards of the Coast add movies to a playlist on YouTube. And nobody seems to be talking about it, but they're amazing. And they're based on the new starter set. Uh, they're all tutorials in d and d and and in fact, if you buy the new starter set and you take your camera and you look at the q r code you will uh be led to these but you can also get to it it's through yep. yeah through the website uh the d and d website um and and they 're not only in english but they 're in spanish and even other languages have you Have you all had a chance to see this?
2: Um, we did have some conversation when they came out. And Claudia, I don't know if you want to talk about your perspective because I've been looking into them for reasons. Uh, but I'll talk to them after you, uh-huh. you kind of give your own.
1: I was aware of the videos. I haven't watched them, but I think it's a great idea. And, um, on that note, I think for me, the new starter set came like unnoticed that i i didn't see like a lot of conversation about it on twitter which is where i get my news uh, from twitter and from miguel <laughs> mostly
2: uh-huh. it's so it's it's not out though it's 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 not out yet because uh oh, yeah. it's due to come out what is it november fifteen, ten, 10 something like that
0: that's true because it it, it's only unlimited on target, target release right yeah oh Target.
2: Correct. So a lot of people have not talked about it because they haven't seen it yet because not everyone is uh, aware that it's out only on Target and also like right now when we went over to PAX West uh, we had to stop to Target to buy some luggage and I was like well I'll, I'll, I'll check if they have some starter sets because I buy like a couple of them just to have them for, for conventions and events to, to give them away Yeah, and they were sold out and I've seen that everywhere. Like over here, we live over on the East Coast. And I've tried ordering them from uh, Target Digital or going to a Target here locally, cannot find them.
0: Wow. huh? That is interesting. Um, I, I bought the last version that was at my Target in Oregon. So yeah, uh, I wonder if they didn't yep. order a whole bunch of them and hopefully they order more. But But yeah, it's interesting but i like this i'm looking at the playlist right now i think that's the situation what's that
2: no i i was gonna say um what what i was going into with like the playlist itself is i love that they exist and that they came up with the one um in in spanish i mean that's that's a huge win for for all the work that's been done in the last five years trying to get that uh to get access to get uh, content that's literally on your language directly from wizards, the only thing that I'm not uh, super happy about is the way that they put it out is a little bit hidden, yeah like people won't see it directly, and it's not and, and the other thing is, and, and I keep kind of going into it, um, we lack like a, like an official wizards Twitter account. We have a Facebook group. And the Facebook group is not really a path to give you information about new releases or every, or anything like that. It's more like a community group and it's driven by the mods and the people in there, but it's not like the official voice of Wizards. So the same thing happens with this playlist. It's very good videos and it has the same content that you would get by the uh, uh, English version. Uh, and it's specifically targeted for Stormbreak Isles. Uh, it has all that good stuff of how to play it how to run it it's super helpful but they put it on the channel like the main um youtube channel which is in english so either you're gonna have a general audience that speaks english and suddenly you get a video in spanish that makes no sense to you or you're gonna have people that follow D &D in spanish but normally will not follow uh english social media because uh, language is going to be a barrier. So you're not going to have them in there. And then that video right there is not going to get to them. So I I love that it exists, but I still feel that there's an, an effort missing on connecting the audience that speaks in Spanish to this content by having a place where they can go and have everything in Spanish that they need.
0: And it's interesting. So I just went to the, the videos D&D. are great though. While we're talking, right? I, I went to the D and D Wizards site, and then I can go to the bottom, and I can say go to Spanish. So then I end up at the at the mm. dnd.wizards.com forward slash es site, and now the the yep. page is in Spanish, but it's a slightly different content. And I can sign up to the newsletter, which I know you've done, um, and I've done as well. But yep. then. Um, then it, it it doesn't have anything here that shows the videos very clearly. Yep. And and the menu is sort of weird. Yep. So it's like, okay, how to yeah, get they're... started? But but it doesn't. None nothing here at least is taking mm-hmm. me to. I can get to products, yep. but it's not taking me to the videos from the webpage. So there is that kind of disconnect. And what you mentioned about the the Twitter is yep. interesting because they just finished creating an official Japanese Twitter and they commissioned a Japanese video. I was super
2: happy to see that.
0: Right. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like wizards is doing different things in different regions, which there can be a reason to do it, you know, because we are all different, but, but at some point there's some things that should be common, which is help me find your information, right. And, and have it all linked and don't forget what you created with one time, you know, one effort, you created these videos, this playlist, but it's not connected to the website, which you translated as a different effort. So there's that kind of disconnect. So we'll, we'll see where this goes. And, uh, and thanks to Dave for, uh, bringing up this question about the, the new tutorials. So, uh, English, Spanish, other languages, definitely tech, check out those playlists and, and, and wizards, if you're listening, hopefully you, you can think through this and how to make it easier for people to find this. Uh, coming in through the website through different any different means and having a dedicated youtube channel like japan does really makes sense having a dedicated twitter that's professionally run makes sense too so hopefully that happens So, Claudia, Mike, we're going to move to our news and commentary section. We just have two quick news items here before we we get into talking with each other. But uh, the first one I thought was something we all really, I know we've all been paying attention to and really appreciate, which is Big Bad Con. And this is a convention that I have not been to before, but is now on my radar. Uh, I'd heard good things about (laughs) it, but now it really is on my radar because they announced their POC Scholars and Programming. And this is a convention held in San Francisco. It's coming up soon, uh, October 27th to 30th this year. And they have a commitment to cultivating and supporting a diverse gaming community, providing scholarships to help women, people of color, disabled, LGBTQIA+. uh, And they cover hotel rooms, attendance fees, and other fees for people that they designate as part of their scholars program. There is a window, which is closed for this year, where you sign up. Um, And they began with four awards in 2015. And I think if I counted correctly, they have 30 this year in 2022, which is amazing. Yes, Um, absolutely. Right? And they have a 10-person POC leadership programming team, including Ajit George, uh, who's been on the show, Whitney Beltran, uh, Mario Ortegon, who's been on the show and is friends uh, to all of us, uh, (laughs) Anthony Joyce Rivera, Suna Marie. Justice Ramin Arman and many others. So really fantastic to see this kind of uh, POCs being giving leadership positions, um, scheduling events. There is a sponsored POC meet and greet that works to connect uh, industry members who are people of color so they can create working relationships and community and really acknowledging how hard it is uh, to get to know one another in the community and, and form those bonds and find ways to, to work and, and break through and, and establish yourself in the industry. So super cool. Uh, what do you think?
2: <laughs> uh, Claudia, you want to kind of go over a little uh, uh, adventures weekend with all this? Because we just saw all this information um, when they started posting. Um, I think it was uh, Ajit and uh, mm-hmm. somebody else were, were, were talking about it. Um, and we had planned to do a getaway and go out to the mountains, uh, just party on myself, go to a little room or winery and just spend that weekend, like just relaxing. But this happened. And <laughs> so we saw it. We talked about it. Uh, we had already talked before about it because uh, we were very close with Mario and he was telling us, hey, we're, we're looking at this. They're, they're doing like a process. They're trying to get everyone who was involved and um, is working on this uh, sort of topics to fly over, have their stay and everything. Because it's difficult. Like, it's difficult to be a, a POC, and specifically somebody outside of the U.S., and to fly over to San Francisco for a weekend. That is outside of your budget. Um, so it was great. Can, can I like just the effort-
0: add, if, if folks yep. out there, if, if you are lucky enough to not have had to book airplane travel recently it is unreal. So I just tried to book travel for a convention. And I've been actually watching prices for a really long time, hoping they'd get better. And I just had to book a $1,000 flight for a convention. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's so... unbelievable. And this is a flight that normally should cost around 400 to 500, maybe 600, right? So it's just the markup on it just and it makes it so hard to for anyone to afford.
2: So When this came up and we had those conversations, we said like, I mean, this is too short of a notice. We can't really plan for that. And it's also coast to coast for us. We just went to PAX uh, West and that was a pretty penny to fly over and stay and do all the things. But we talked about it. And the more we looked into it, it was like, this is the great, I mean, we're looking at the, uh, there's a lot of work that's been done before to get, to big bad con being what it is this year and this is like a great uh joining of forces of all like the lineup of everyone that's going the people that are going to be participating or are going to be part of the scheduling team that's just beautiful i mean it, you see the seeds of the team that was working in reagan Citadel blooming into more than just one book
0: yeah good point. so so
2: we talked about it and we were like, we gotta be there. This is mm-hmm. this is the place to be. This is the people that are doing the things uh that that we wanna learn from, that we wanna hear what they have to say and, and see what they're doing. Um so we decided and we jumped on and we looked at uh everything like stay, flight. Flight was We're both fine, so because we got to, because we just did also Comic Con and we drove over there and it was the (laughs) the worst idea that I've ever had. Oh no. Uh, Yes, it it is. I do not recommend driving coast to coast um, (laughs) to go to an event, a four day event, and then driving back because you're going to die in the process. (laughs) So, so we decided to fly, and like you're saying, it's super expensive. We yeah. we just bought the tickets yesterday, uh. and it was it was it was near the two thousand dollar line. So it's it's not it's not manageable uh. um, to just be flying around. So uh, we're very grateful that uh, the whole project itself is pulling all these people because you don't get to see all of them together in the same place. That's the reason right. we drove. Uh, to to say, let's move our getaway one week. So we'll do it in November uh, and go over there. And that's what we're doing because you cannot miss the opportunity to sit down on the table when all this conversation is happening. Well, all this change on how things are done is happening because this is driven by by a team of of, of BIMPOP people. Yeah. So it's it's quite a change for the industry.
1: And uh um oh sorry. No no. Uh, go ahead. um I they, they're going to have a meet and greet and a dinner. And uh we just went to Jengon. Um Miguel was running games so he couldn't go with me. There was a POC mixer in the uh Bimpok lounge and uh I went there. I didn't know uh, anybody <laughs> but i just uh, i wanted to see how it was and the energy in the room it was so positive and it was like like everybody was happy and they were hanging and talking and mixing it was uh great so i think i i'm uh, um, i think that's gonna be the same energy and uh big bath yeah. gun i hope
0: absolutely that's awesome. That, that's really great. Um, yeah. I would love to go here if I could. I, I've <laughs> been fortunate to be on a couple of projects with some of these folks and, and ah, it's, it's amazing. And it really does change things. Um, and, it, and it happens on all, all levels. Uh, it happens at the POC level. It happens at the gender level. It happens at at, yes. at so many different, like just, I've seen it you know, just witnessing, seeing, on a good project where women can work with each other, in the way that they can't often work,
1: yep. it's
0: night and day difference, right? And uh, and wow. so being able to to meet together and 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 establish connections with each other in ways that before was really just you know white guys at the bar at a convention, right? Was the only way to really that, that the only thing that was really yeah. happening and that was established in our in our hobby. So it's it's a really big change um i love everything i see about this um uh we'll talk some more about this convention uh topic in a bit but one last news item which is uh just really friend of the show mt black has launched a kickstarter for the anatomy of adventure i know that you're both fans of looking at adventure creation and that type of design um so mt black uh, created this book uh, a while back and is now updating it i have the original version I, i liked it a lot and so he is stepping through his creative process and looking through the design principles, tricks and secrets he's learned. Uh, I know he's he's one of those sponge fellows that loves to absorb everything that he can find yes. around uh, how to create adventures. He's, he's always asking questions. Uh, I love the way he, he approaches things that way. And so he then he collects it all together and shares it, which is great. So we've got a link in the show notes, show notes to the Kickstarter as well as to Big Bad Con um and to the playlist we talked about all right so let's go to the main topic now which is you guys Uh, i'm very glad (laughs) about that and i to start out tell me about yourselves where you grew up where you live now and how you got started that led to what you're doing now in the gaming industry um claudia you want to go first or you want me to go
1: first Uh, i I can go first that's fine um so Hi, I'm Claudia. I'm from Mexico. I I was born in Guadalajara, but moved around the uh, the country. And um, uh, I'm living now in Savannah with my husband, Miguel, because he lived here first. So I had to come here and get married. But that's fine. I love Savannah.
2: You didn't, you didn't, you didn't have to. <laughs> you decided to.
1: <laughs> I decided to go. I'm okay with this. And um, uh, in 2016, a friend of mine who likes to watch Twitch, he he was watching a, a streamer on Twitch, and he I I didn't know what Twitch was, so I started watching the this guy, and then I started watching um, Mario Mario Tecon playing video games, and and they and he he hosted uh, an actual play every Thursday and uh of the indie in spanish and i was like what is this what are they doing <laughs> uh and mm-hmm. um i i i guess uh um i started watching those streams as well and then he started hosting games for his subscribers and uh i joined happily and i loved it i absolutely loved the first time I played D&D, <laughs> uh, I, I decided to start with the wizard because I hate myself and it was great. And uh, that's how I started playing uh, TTRPGs. That was uh, 2017 and I, and, uh, I started with uh, D&D, but we played um, Tale from the Loop, Vampire 5th fifth, fifth Edition. And um, uh, I think that was it for that year. And yes, and wow. what I'm doing uh, right now is I'm going to conventions. I'm running uh, D&D in Spanish, uh, in PAX. And we recently um, ha, hosted our first Latina lounge at GenCon. And um, oh, I've done That's some awesome. proofreading, uh, writing, game designing, and translating.
0: That's excellent.
2: You see, you see how she says that just like off? on the side, just like <laughs> I've been doing all this stuff, like professional work now. Um, it's funny because uh, Claudia and I have very different stories on how we got into this, uh, but we ended up together doing the same thing from different angles, I guess. Because I was, I was born and raised over in a border town uh, south of California. So I was exposed to games and I was able to, I, I lived, 15 minutes from the border. So I was able to go back and forth. Um, I grew up um, listening to music and seeing American TV, um, reading books. I fell in love with reading. Uh, and then when I was, I guess, about 10 or something like that, I had the most magical situation. I was over in Vegas, Sean. Um <laughs> uh, <laughs> Big, big, big props up to you being over there, because that was my start for D&D. When I was in Vegas, we went and we stayed over in Excalibur, which is a hotel that's set up like a castle. And it had a store in there and they were selling um, the starter kit and the Forgotten Realms gray box. And that's where I bought it. Like literally a man dressed as a wizard sold me my first (laughs) D&D stuff and I was hooked for life. I went back. I read it. I went through it. This was second edition. It was AD and D second edition. Um, the Tomb of the was my go-to uh, to start uh, to initiate people that had never played, which is everyone who I met because nobody <laughs> played D and D where I was. We we started playing, and uh, by the time I was in high school, like all my friends were into it. Uh, we would get together. And it was very lax because it was also like a social um, thing. So we would get into a classroom and I would have like 20 or 30 people. Some, Some of them were just an audience. They were just like curious to see how it was. And we played the game. And this is people that right now, like about 25 years later, uh we still get together we talk about these things uh we 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 tell stories about the games that we played back then and and sometimes we can even coincide to actually play D&D so D&D has very has been a very uh important part of my life cuz it's been a, a social gel uh cuz that went over to college that went over to my general life uh after school um and about 11 years ago, uh, I had the opportunity to uh, jump over to corporate for the business that I worked for. So I went from working in Mexico uh, through a subsidiary for, for this business over to corporate on the East Coast. So I moved over and my world opened really wide <laughs> about all the experiences, the conventions, all the things that you can do. I was, I was privileged enough to be able to, to go to a lot of the conventions. So PAX, um, uh, Gen Con, uh, Comic Con, all all these places where you see the living, breathing thing that is the industry and the community of TTRPGs. And I loved it. I loved every single bit of it. And then I was a little bit sad that most of the people that live over in Mexico, that do not know English, cannot go to all these events, Mm -hmm. uh, can get to experience all this stuff. So, Around 2016, 17, Claudia was going through her own adventure, learning about D D, <laughs> meeting Mario. And I was invited to a game. And I was invited because Mario and I went to the same college, but we were not like super friends. We just mm-hmm. knew each other. And somebody uh told him like they needed somebody to um to play on a one shot because they were missing one person. And they were like, Oh, I know this guy. Um that that might be a good fit to play that one shot so i got invited i went in i did my thing and they they enjoyed it they they liked the way i played the the, the what i brought to the table and suddenly like in the next couple of months i got pulled in and i had never been on twitch i had never then done actual plays uh but it, it went well we started growing uh claudia and i met there we were friends for a long time um, and things started evolving, uh, both with Claudia and myself, who ended up married, and with the project. It's a pretty Mario, good evolution. Mm-hmm. Mario was, yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the Pokemon of uh, relationships that you want, right? Uh, so on 2018, we went to that first PAX Unplugged. And this was just Mario and myself. And I had to like kind of pull Mario to go (laughs) because he was very nervous at the moment. and He was working on Exalva. We were already doing um, uh, the stream uh, for uh, what eventually became Trece Albas. Mm -hmm. Um, But but he didn't know if he should go or what was going to happen over there. Uh, But he ended up deciding, yeah, I'm going to go. And when we went, a whole... Thing happened. We met a lot of people. The community received him and the project really well. All the way to the point. Well, that was the event actually that um, we met Dales. Yeah, yeah. Pax Unplug 2018 was the first time that we met in person, and we were running the right. D and D in Spanish. Um, and that's yeah, I mean, how my daughter and I. Right, other.
0: we we were just. I. It, it was one of these yes. things where I was trying to share experiences with my kids. And so I took my son to PAX West and my daughter and I went to to Philly for PAX Unplugged and we were like, look, games in Spanish, do you want to play? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. Yep. (laughs) And, and that was so fun and I had no idea what to expect. Right. But, but it was, it was really cool getting to meet you guys and, and seeing the work you were doing there.
2: Yeah. And, and that was, that was the spark really um Mm -hmm. going over there because if you remember it was just a small room and and that one time that was the first time so they gave us a whole room and packs unplugged it was just a single table in the middle (laughs) and and, but we had a great time and the experience of playing and the feedback that we got from everyone that was there because we did it uh two days in a row Mm -hmm. and everyone who played there uh was telling us like it's a different feel. Because uh, we connect culturally, the references, the the, the humor, um, it, it's and, and even people that um, may not necessarily be Latino but speak Spanish. Like we had players who went over there and it's like, oh, I, I took some Spanish in high school. Okay. I just wanted to try it out and see if I can play D and D. And it's like, yeah. it, it's don't worry about it. I mean, let's let's do that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and if you have some issues, I mean, we, took, we can speak in, in English and kind of help you out to, to figure it out or give you more. Um, so, so you're never going to get stuck. Don't worry. And we did that and it connected. And we loved uh, how it felt to be able to bridge that and to have that option of playing Sp- mm-hmm. Spanish in the U.S. Um, so from there, a lot of things happened. On 2019, um, the project uh for trece albas got pulled by wizards to be on the rotation for the week. So on Saturdays we, we were playing on the main channel uh for for D D uh and 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 it was it was great. So Descend to Avernus came up. And we got invited. So before you to before go, you go into
0: Descent, I just want to say for anybody who doesn't know, so Trece Albas was uh, to me, sort of the first show, and I think for a lot of people, the first show that they could find, the first streaming show, where people were doing live play in Spanish. And that it was, like, reliable. Like, like every, every day of the week, and, and you knew the cast, and the story was ongoing, right? And, and so that was really cool to, to just be able to see, like, this is a game that uh, is different in terms of its cultural lens uh, and how yes. the game is expressed, but, but it's running like any other game that you might find on Twitch, and look, this community exists, which I think for a lot of us was like, oh, oh, you know, this exists yeah. for us too. And we can be a part of this, right? Which was really cool. Yeah, so go ahead and talk so about the descent Mario of it. Because was,
2: was- Yeah, that was, that was something amazing. And, and to go a little bit back on that, mm-hmm. um, Mario has been a very strong tree where this project and a lot of the the, the things that we've done come from. Like his project, uh presenting us the opportunity to go out and do this and play in spanish and then having that visibility of being sponsored or, or pushed by wizards mm-hmm. um while at the same time playing in his world which is a project that's going to be uh kick uh to have its own whole setting book based on on all the lore of, of uh, well, it's inspired by Mesoamerican mm-hmm. uh, lore, which is beautiful. And you can see right. that in our game. That's one of the reasons I think that that it connected. It's representation and giving that space, uh, especially for d d which does not have something like that currently. Right. And even if it had it before, it has a lot of issues that mm-hmm. uh, obviously make it not an option to, to be brought uh, back alive right now, right. Uh, unless there's a lot of work into it, right? But all that pulled us in and we got invited and we talked about it. And at that point, um, Claudia was a little bit same thing. She had the difficulty of how am I going to go over there? Like, I I mean, that's a lot of money going to LA and staying for a weekend. It's harsh. They did support us through wizards. They gave us like the badges and we had the access Mm -hmm. to go in and they gave us the space. Um, but we still had to cover a lot of it, and it's it was not it was not something that's attainable by by most people. So yeah. we talked about it, and as a group, we 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 said, "Let's go, let's do this," and and uh, we pitched in, and Claudia was able to to go. So we went, and that literally was the first time that Claudia and I met in person. Wow. So that's that's like a huge uh, milestone for us as a uh, <laughs> couple. A-
1: that's how the love story started for those interested. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, of yeah. course. <laughs>
2: That's, uh, yeah. So Descent uh, gave us the space to run a game. And, I mean, we went in with all lights and fireworks because we had Eugenio, uh, we had Carlos Luna, we had Serena Marie on the table playing with Judy uh, Jetset, Set, uh, who was playing as part of our cast. Body on myself, and Mario running. And we did this in the official channel, and we had all the fixings on the table. We were sitting besides, like, people from uh, uh, Rivals and, uh, you know, all the the, yeah. the people that we see uh, be part of the family, of the D&D family right there. Um, so it was great. We enjoyed the event. It was fantastic. Um, it, was, it was really well done. And we didn't know then, but this was... Literally the last one we yeah. would see. Because, yeah. So the descent uh, event
0: was the enormous marketing push that built on sort of previous things that Greg Tito and others had had spearheaded, um, and all in LA. And we had catered foods. I got I got to be there through Baldman Games, helping to run the 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 epic events that we ran right. uh, for everybody there. And it was an amazing event, amazing. and it was really cool to see. Yep. You know i think it, it wasn't as intentioned as things like what we just talked about with big, big bad con uh but nonetheless functioned that way in that by bringing people together you allow them to get to meet each other yes. and create community and and, and get on more of a, of a equal footing uh because it's a relaxed environment in which you can speak and you've sort of all been blessed by wizards right which which does help and does matter to have mm-hmm. that sort of yeah. like gateway in yep um yeah, that was, that was a really big event. And and unfortunately, because of COVID, it hasn't happened since, right? And so now we see it's it's all been done online and and, and you have to wonder what to yeah. what extent and it will be in person. It's
2: yeah, it's it's hard to think about going back to it because I mean we we started with a quarantine and we thought forty days and then we're done with this thing and now we're on our third year going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things have changed, and, and we need to 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 be, you know, obviously uh, uh, aware that things are not the same. But the 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 event itself was a fantastic thing. I mean, the send into Avernus was literally a a, a a seating pot for a lot of things that happened. 2018 had Rivals start, mm-hmm. but I remember 2019 and being able to see the cast for Rivals in there, and then see things like. Um, um, uh Chris Perkins and the team for um oh my god I it just the the game uh with um
1: acquisition sync
2: no 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 the one they used to run over on the D&D channel with um
1: oh. with, with
2: Paultin and and
0: oh my goodness. oh uh yeah um the Ravenloft campaign oh. and and
2: yes. hell, what was the name of that group? Yes. yeah
0: yeah I know you're talking oh I know god. I know what you mean I
2: lost the name the Waffle yeah. Crew. The Waffle, waffle crew. crew. I yeah. forgot the name of the show, but uh-huh. but but well, we saw them there, and then a lot of the people that were on 2019 on that event ended up uh, participating in like Candle Keep, uh, right. and then you would see more of them uh, sharing. So literally, it was also an event for networking that provided that step in, like you're saying, uh, to be able to participate directly. And a lot of the people that were there were people that were not part of the like it used to feel like it was the same crew all the time, right? Like the same writer, the same backgrounds, the same, And, and it expanded from that. And, and we, we, we were very privileged to be there and to participate on this because obviously it also, um, set the path for a lot of things. Like Mario is now participating and working. Um, he was on Radiant Citadel and now he is confirmed to be on Dragonlance. Right. Um, it's beautiful to see this. I mean, I, I live to see this thing where, where you see people that have a lot of talent that are doing the work, they're walking the walk and, and finally get to the places that, that make it uh, so that we are represented and we have a voice and we have different things. Um, on our side though, um, we, we, we are, we've always been adjacent to the project, but like uh, recently, uh, Mario has gone full into writing so uh we've we kind of been uh, being on a break right now. uh We're waiting to come back to it uh, at one point, uh but you know how that the grind is too um and we've yeah, we've moved on to to different activities um,
0: yeah, it's, yeah it's hard right? because when you have big projects like that, all of a sudden they can really take over and consume you uh and streaming does that on its own way right like oh, when you're yeah. running a streaming game or being a part in it that becomes a big part of your schedule and then if something else comes along and it's really hard to make those two fit together but but i guess that's all opportunity <laughs> at the end you want more more of those opportunities and then you can yeah. make the hard decisions it's, of what you do and what you don't
2: it's well yeah you're looking for it but but like for me i wasn't doing any production i was just talent i was sitting down and playing D, but at one point, we were running like three or four games a week.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really tough. Um, and I want to ask um, Claudia, maybe tell me, uh, growing up in because I, you know, I'm I'm older, unfortunately. Um, but when I grew up, there was no internet, right? And so I had no. No connection to the rest of the world. So what we would do is, is we would, every now and then, one of us would be fortunate enough to travel to the U.S. We would buy as many books as we could afford to, and we'd bring them back, and whatever someone came back with, that's what we'd play with. And a few of the friends I had were, you know, from the Netherlands or for some other place, and they, so they would travel somewhere where they could get books, and they'd bring them back, and whatever that was, that's what we'd play with. But you've grown up a bit more in, in the, internet age and and so i'm curious to what extent you know if you are in mexico are you hearing about the game is is that easier um or is it just as hard like can you can you you know i think now you can buy the game but is that something that people are are people finding the game in spanish speaking countries do you think are they finding the game in mexico or is that still really primarily a u.s thing well
1: um i i think i'm a very particular case because i i have ADHD and my parents uh are very protect were very protective with me like i grew up in a bubble and i wasn't allowed to uh watch some programs on tv or listen to the radio or play video games like my, my parents think video games my parents think video games are a uh, Waste of time, and and they still think D and D is a video game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I sure. I don't know how to explain to them that it's not, but but yeah, yeah. and um,
2: it's it's live 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 action Nintendo. Yeah, right.
1: <laughs> I mean. and uh, the first I think. Uh, you see these references like in Spongebob for example there's a, um, a an episode in which they're playing D&D for a few seconds and, and you, you get these references like I, I was aware that D&D existed but I didn't know what it was I I thought it was a game in which you had to dress up and act as a character yeah. and I was afraid of that because I'm a very shy person and, and uh, yeah and uh, when I was in college I was 20, 19 or 20 years old, and I saw a paper um, taped to the wall, and it said we're looking for a player for long sessions of eight hours, and uh, we have snacks and stuff like that. And I was like, w- who would sign up to do this? Who who would do this? And uh, that's what, it would, that was like it would take
2: a whole workshop.
1: right? Yeah. And now I'm like, um, I'm, I'm sold. Yeah, right, uh I would right. do it but um but nowadays um I uh, again I have ADHD so I have like very specific hobbies and I am I live in my own world so if if there are news that are important Miguel is the one who mm-hmm. comes to me and tells me what's going on in the industry and uh but recently I went to to Guadalajara to visit the family and I went to, uh, um, my mom has a cousin who has a daughter, who has a husband, <laughs> who has a, <laughs> um, a like, board games store. And I went there to see uh, how it was. And they had some games in Spanish, like, uh, they had a, a book of Baezen in Spanish. They had uh, yep. the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook. and I don't remember what else but they had uh, like a small corner of uh, the TTRPGs and I was like oh this is great, that's something I I didn't think I would see like so soon so So...
2: (laughs) if if I can add to that a little bit um, Mexico has historically not had a lot of um, knowledge or I mean it's not Uh, commonly known that these games exist uh, as a society in general like we do have niches of specific very specifically driven people who enjoy these things or people who are adjacent to american culture people that live on the borders or live on the big cities and are able to travel uh, to the united states or be aware of all this trends and games and things but in the general, uh, it was not something that's that was commonly known. Like back when I was in high school and earlier than that, when I discovered d nobody in my city know, knew of it. And my city was not big. It was not. Yeah. Uh, but when I went to college, uh, I went to one of the biggest cities in the country. Um, and one of the cities that has more people like fly over and, and study abroad or study like within Mexico, like that was one of – uh, which is Monterey uh south of Texas. Uh it, it is in Mexico, but mm-hmm. over there they did have like like uh shops that sold uh uh RPG stuff and board games and things like that and everything was in English though. Yeah. What I'm seeing right now is a big change because uh like for example the beer um over I, I think the beer is um works out of Spain or Europe in general. And then there's David the in Mexico now who are finding that there's an audience that wants all this stuff. They just brought like Alice is missing in Spanish. Uh, Everdell, the board game in Spanish. Uh, I believe Root uh, was also available once uh, and all this stuff is stuff that Claudia was sending me pictures of, And I was like, Holy smokes. Like these are games that just came out like in the last two years and they're, in Spanish, available in stores in retail over in Mexico, it's That's it's a great. different game. It's a different world right now, and that is a beautiful thing. And the reason why that is happening is because more people know about the games, and more, more people are looking for them, and more more opportunities for businesses uh, uh, are coming up, and they're 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 locking into them and saying, "Yeah, we need to do this because we're leaving all this audience outside of our table." And we need, we need to connect with them so that we can show them our new games uh, and, yeah. and broaden how many people are in the community and in
0: the hobby. And, and to me, it seems that's been a really big focus of, of both of yours, right, which has been to create community, create yes. awareness and knowledge. And, and share with me what your approach has been to conventions uh, and what, what's been happening recently that you've been involved with.
1: Well
2: uh, uh Claudia you want to start? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, sure. Um so uh it all started with this uh, and blog in 2018 when uh, Mario and Mike run games in Spanish and then I uh we well they came back uh for 2019 and I uh that was my first convention ever actually. Oh, the second one uh uh the first one was the in delight but okay so we started running games uh there and then we were like we're totally coming back but then the pandemic hit but we came back last year and then we decided to go to pax east we were we,
2: we,
1: uh, yes
2: we, we were actually able to go to 2020 um at the start of the year before the pandemic hit we went to pax south
1: pax <gasps> south right which
2: which was also a great thing because Latins in Gaming had a room where they were doing all this content uh, for, for Latin uh, people. And we were invited. We actually had like a game of Ixalva with, with people from the community. Uh, right. We had uh, Christina Ariel playing on the game. We had uh, the person that was in charge of marketing for Wizards there. Uh, and they actually gave us the introduction for the game. We run games in Spanish uh, in that location. And that's how we actually kind of figured out, like, we need to do this in, in every place that will let us sit down <laughs> yeah. and run games in Spanish because because we need it. There's people out there. And, like, South was a great opportunity because uh, Texas has a very large um, community of people that speak Spanish or that would like to try their Spanish because – uh, they are of Latin heritage, uh, and sometimes they want to connect to their own heritage through that.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, and how do how does the event uh, with Gen Con get started up?
1: So, it was 2020, 2021. It was last year. Uh, Derek, uh, who is in charge of a um, uh, uh, like That's event in church, programming. Yeah, right? yeah. Events, yeah. events mm-hmm. right. And yeah. uh, he uh, approached Mike. He sent him uh, an email and he was like, uh, I've been uh, seeing these events of the Indian Spanish and we would like to have that uh gen-con. So we had a chat with him uh, uh, back in December. And uh, he was like, uh, "You, you, if you want a room, you can get a room just tell me how many tables you would you need etc so um so we we said okay we we we're going to do this the do this and um uh from the start of this year uh mike was like uh recruiting dms in the um spanish speaking community uh most of them flew in from monterey mexico and um and it, it was, it was. Mike was <laughs> so stressed trying to figure <laughs> out the schedule and everything. Sure. And uh, uh, we um, we were like eleven people running games, both in English and Spanish. We had, it, and it, it was great because we had a room um, near the exhibit hall and it, in the first floor. It was a very yeah. good location for us, and the room was big enough. We had like. Ten tables or something like that and uh, yeah and they was and the hallway uh near an entrance so people would wondering all the time and they were like what's this what are you doing here and stuff like that and um it was great we were not that prepared we didn't have like a banner or something um, but we learned from that (laughs) so it was great we had a lot of response we had we run like i don't know how many uh events we run but, but we had like 300
2: 90, people 90
1: okay wow.
2: so there was 90 events and it was 388 individual people that decided to go wow. while in gen con to play in our room so i, I do want to take it back uh, just for a second to derek who was yeah. the absolute bridge that made this possible right. That's wonderful. um we he extended he extended all this and he said um I see what you guys are doing and I would love for Gen Con to have this because we don't. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, we can do it. And he was like, okay, so what's your team? and What what can your team do? And at that point, our team was just Claudia and I sitting right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In front of him. And I was like, but, but I knew a lot of people that would absolutely jump on this. So I was yeah. like, I can make this happen and I'm not going to lose the shot right now. So I can absolutely uh, drive for this. I uh, just need to size it properly. And, and he gave us all the facilities. Uh, it, it was so easy to work uh, with, with him and with the whole organization of Gen Con because the room that they gave us, the space that they gave us, everything was just transparently easy and straightforward And Hmm. I got all those people involved, and we started talking about it, and we made plans, and we got people from Mexico. I mean, we were uh, people from the U.S. and people from Mexico, um, and and we were about 20 people in the end that collaborated, but about 11 of them were people that uh, flew in. First Gen Con, first actual convention that they went to, (laughs) and we rocked that thing off. (laughs) The, the, the grid, like people were so happy. We had people from the org come back and say, hey, we love what you guys are doing. The, the feedback that we're getting is great. Um, so that set a precedent for us because we were just expecting to just not crash and burn. We were like, let's do this, let's see what happens. Uh, we've never done something as big. Uh, most of the time we've run two or three tables in, in most of the PAX events. Uh, we did East, West, uh, South, and Unplugged. And we were like, Gen Con is the biggest. That's where we need to yeah. be. And we need to also brand it as something else. Because we, we uh, our event on PAX is always D&D in Espanol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's very specific. And we wanted to say we want this to be a lot of other things. So we ran a lot of other games created by Latin Talent. Uh, mm-hmm. We ran a wall RPG. We ran uh, Medula. We ran... Um, Demon Hunter. Um, so we were trying to to expand on, on our original idea of just sitting down and running games. And we were in games in Spanish and in English because some of the games we could run in English, but they were created by uh Latin talent. So we wanted them to have a space in there. Emerald Templars, D'Angelo Murillo was mm. there and he also uh, offered cool. a table uh, and it was great to see him just walk in there and, and and you know, be part of this. Uh, and that's what we're driving for, that forward, going forward, we have a space where we can um, present all these things. The people behind the games, the games that they are creating, or even games that are not necessarily of Latin heritage, but that are being run by talent and by people yeah. and offered in both English and Spanish. That, that, that's another thing that we've found out in the last couple of years, Um, some people of Latin heritage do not speak Spanish and they feel left out and they feel like they cannot represent themselves because they don't. And that is not a problem. That language is just that. It's just the code that we use to communicate. So, uh, you know, a critical head translates to every language (laughs) and and that's what we want to do. We sit down on a table, share the experience. Pax West, we actually, we run a game and we were, we had a couple of players in there and then three people came in and one of them speak, uh, spoke Spanish and the other two did didn't. And they were like, no, but we don't know Spanish. We don't want to like stop the game or anything. And I was like, Hey guys, I'm the one. Cause I was just walking by when they, this was happening and they were looking at the at the write-up sheet, sheet And I was like, you can, you can, you can definitely play. Uh, we'll, jump from english to spanish because we we can we can we can do both things it doesn't matter um and and you'll have a great time and that's what we did we sat that's down awesome. and we were talking in spanish and in english and some of them were asking like how do you say this in spanish and you know the 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 bible the of it uh is, is fantastic Claudia was yeah. running the game we had a great time we we finished and everyone was like, "This was great." Let us know when you're gonna be in some like in another convention because we would love to to do a repeat of something like this. Um, and, and that's what we're looking for. We're we're looking to be a bridge between people here mm. and there. We want people to know. Like one of my biggest drives is to share what's happening in the industry and the community back to. Uh, Latin America, because we do not have that. We do not have shows like Mastering Dungeons, mm-hmm. where where we sit down and talk about what's going on, what's happening, what's the news, um, what's happening on Kickstarter. So so we need more of that because that creates industry, that creates uh, a sense of actually connecting with the community with what's going yeah. on on the games, but also bringing it back and bringing Latin America. And Latin heritage, even if you're not from those countries and you're the second generation, you're as valid as anybody who lives there right now. Yeah. And yeah. you can sit down and share on that, and break bread, and 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 throw dice, and and critically fail, and we'll all laugh together about what just happened. Um, yeah, it's, it's so that's really, what we're doing.
0: I just want to add that that it's been really great for me in my experience, both at the the tables that we saw at PAX and Plug that you were talking about um, and, and running games online in Spanish that people will come in and join who are not, cause you, you sort of think like, Oh, I'm going to sit down at a table and everybody's going to speak Spanish really well. And then you realize, well, no, there are people who have all sorts of interests and all sorts of reasons for wanting to tie into the community. It can be, you know, uh, my dad always spoke Spanish. My mom always spoke Spanish. It can be, I worked in a Spanish speaking country for a while. I studied it in school. Yes. It can be so many reasons and, it's been actually really rewarding to me to see how comfortable folks have been to come and jump in even, and say, my Spanish is not the best. And, and and we all have a great time every time, right? No one has ever at the end said, yeah, I needed to have spoken more Spanish to have a great time. They're <laughs> always enjoying it no matter how little or how much they speak. And and that's been really great for me to sort of realize this is not about creating community a community of people who are, you know, 100% qualified in some way. It's yeah. everybody can be a part of this and actually the community therefore is so much bigger and so diverse, which is fantastic. So.
2: Yep. <laughs> and, and, and one thing to add to that, uh, while we were in Latin lounge, uh, in Gen Con, one of the things that made me the happiest to hear was somebody who was, um, American did not speak a lick of Spanish. And he went in because we were running some some games. Like we were running Mouse Guard and we were running a wall WoW RPG mm-hmm. in English, both of them. Cool. Um, and that's not a game that you normally get. So those events got, you know, filled out from day one. We posted them and they were they were they were full. Um, mm-hmm. and one of the players on those tables um tweeted that he was in Latin Lounge and he was like, I don't speak any words in Spanish, <laughs> but being in that room and seeing how they were laughing on the other tables and the fun they were having, and how warm they are. And this was people, and it, it, he was talking about it. He was saying, these were people that sat down as strangers and yeah. left out after three hours with the closest bomb that I've seen <laughs> for people playing a game like this on a convention. And we yeah, talked about really- culturally, like the difference between convention play um, and, and just socially it's very different. And in the United States, we, we have a very, um, we're very um, careful about our space. We, we are not people that get together uh, or, or let people in as easy, right? It's, it's a lot of things. It's protection, it's, it's culture. And uh, Latin people are like, they hear you, talking in Spanish and they're like, "Oh, where your problem?" Blah, 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 blah. and suddenly you just connected just because you share a language or just because you whatever, you have like your dad is from Argentina and you're from Argentina. You're like, "Oh my god." And then you start talking about things. Um and and that's a beautiful thing. It's it's you don't even need to be off the identity to be able to share in and help with these things, to be participant of the fact that we're trying to be there represented and, and to share on the hobby, because mm. in the end, that's the nail that brings us together, that, that we play these games and that we enjoy sharing the stories and weaving together something that's an experience that we're going to take with us after going to a convention.
0: So I love this uh, and I could talk about forever, but uh, as, as our time draws near to the end, I want to ask, uh, where do you want to both go next and and maybe it's the same question maybe it's not but where do you want to see conventions go next and and what do you see our our future holds uh on these topics gaudia go at it
1: Uh, (laughs) well um i would like more spaces uh, uh, for diversity uh, meaning uh uh queer neurodivergent etc and um uh Spaces in which you can, like the uh, Mipoc Lounge, that you can uh, go do and meet, meet and greet, and uh, like be yourself and with no explanation needed. You mean? I mean, like uh, it, many people say, like why do we need? Uh, I mean, uh, why, why, why is important? To point out that uh, these panelists uh, includes people of color or something like that. It's important to point that out, but uh, people, uh, they, um, non-white people, uh, also need um, to be themselves and to do things that they don't need to be talking about inclusivity or stuff like that all the time. I mean, they they are people yep. too. They they right. want to do. The things
2: Just and do the things and enjoy them,
1: yeah. <laughs> enjoy the things, right. and uh, I would like to um, do something for Mexico. Uh, I, I would love to have these safe spaces and conventions in Mexico yes. and Latin America in Spanish as well. I would love to see that happen.
2: Wow, yeah, yes. I love it. So, yeah, I, I, I concur. um, There is this two different uh, places. Uh, I I think we're on the right path. I'm seeing a lot of things that I love. I mean, Big Bad Con is literally uh, right now about to happen with all this beautiful stuff uh, going on. Uh, But there has to be that space for both things. Uh, Inclusion always fights to get people that have historically been left out. But at one point, we need to just be part of it and not need to have a a specific space or a specific topic to talk about because you are somebody of color because you are from a different country or whatever. Uh, we just want to enjoy the game and want to be there in the meantime, though, we do need to talk about these things. We need to have panels about neurodivergence about being part of an identity, be it queer or Latin or black or Asian. Um, and that is happening right now. So I'm very happy with it. I do want to see it spread out. I do want to see it uh, be something that's more permanent and that has a structure to, uh, to maintain this, this velocity that is uh, uh, being uh, uh, upkept right now. Um, and um And what what Claudio was saying, like we're looking right now at the option to see if we can do something over in Mexico. So we are in conversations because we wanna also bring the industry and the games and and collaborate with the publishers and go over to Mexico uh, in Mexico City and do something over there because we're lacking. And I think that we are um, losing the opportunity of having all these people enjoy a hobby that we love. Uh, and the publishers, uh, I think, see the opportunity also of opening or, or widening uh, their approach to, to actually be in these yeah. uh, markets and these communities.
0: And even to make projects better. Right. I think we've seen a lot of that with emphasis on, on contrasting Radiant Citadel with other works and seeing how beneficial it can be to have that that yes. lens and to, and to have the freedom for people on the team to to speak up about issues with with a product or with a project and to have that a wider lens that's applied to a project is really good. Um, Uh, I want to thank you both for for the amazing work you're doing with conventions. Uh, I want to thank Derek Guder at at Gen Con and Big Bad Con and Ajit George and Mario Ortegon and everybody who's involved in this. (laughs) It's really fantastic to see the growth we have in this area and how much it's changing. it's it's sort of sometimes easy uh, to forget how important representation is and community and connection is until you see it. It's really, I, for me at least personally, it's when I've, every time I've experienced it that I realize how important it is. Whether it's watching something like Into the Spider-Verse where I remember like going like, oh, wow, this is so important to me. I didn't really fully yes. realize how yes. important this was to me. or playing at PAX and Plugged with you, you know, so many years ago, <laughs> um, four years now, uh, you just start. Oh. Yeah, go ahead. Claudia, oh, can please. I say
1: something? Yeah. Uh, we had, we had, a uh, panel on Dengon about the industry in Mexico. And we focused on the case of, um, Nawal RPG mm-hmm. and, uh, we had some Q and A and one person, I think it was a, a white uh, man. And he was like, I would like to run games for my players, and I would like uh, them to to like do something that they they can connect to and something that they they get excited about. And I was like, I I told him about how we played uh, Tales from the Loop, uh, but Mario was running the game, and he focused. Uh, he created a story in Monterrey, Mexico. Mm-hmm and 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 i was like i was explaining to him like uh so if you grew up in monterey you would say like oh i know this place i know this neighborhood stuff like that and and i was like so do that for your players uh uh use stuff they are familiar with and they will get excited and they will connect and that's why representation matters
0: <laughs> absolutely all right uh, anything else you want to share before we get to our closing segment
1: um, um okay. I I, <laughs>
0: yeah. I, do,
2: I do wanna I do wanna say that go check out NT Black's uh, book is the second volume. Um I had the privilege also of playtesting uh and Claudia actually helped with some of the uh, uh encounters that we were running for some of the adventures. Um so he normally looks for people to play these mm-hmm. adventures as he's making them. So fraternity of Ash and strange light and all all three adventures, uh, I participated and, and provided feedback and everything. And I've learned as much as I've provided as feedback. Um, Mm. he is uh, experimenting with format. Uh, he's got a great way of doing information that gives you the uh, uh, opportunity to, um, uh, escalate your encounters or make them less um for for a lesser level so anything that's going to be on that book is going to be a beautiful thing that you can use to create your own uh content and that's what we need we need more people to jump out and start doing this stuff because there's gems out there that are in people's head and maybe uh you can share them with a lot
0: of people and uh
2: you know do do a little thing on the side
0: awesome i'm glad you're playtesting that Um, Well, thank you uh, to both of you, Claudia and and Mike, Miguel. Um, Thanks to all of our listeners and all of our patrons who support the show and help us keep the show going. Uh, If you like the show, you can find us at patreon.com slash MMP. Mike, Claudia, where can we find you on social media or otherwise follow your work and your efforts?
1: Um, So uh, I am and Twitter as Morgan Citarion or Cy Morgan. And we have a new YouTube channel called Geektopia, where we do interviews with people uh, from the industry, like Tails. And uh, um, I also, if, if, if for what it's worth, I have a, a YouTube channel called Claudia in Savannah, which is a blog I do about my everyday life. But lately I've been covering um, the conventions I've been attending to. Uh, it's a mix of conventions and me being a tourist in the city. So if anybody's interested, uh, there, there, there's that.
0: Fantastic.
2: Uh, and you can find me at Twitter and Instagram under the Bias. Um, because there is a Mike Valle somewhere in the Midwest that does not use their account for anything, so I had to be the... um, And uh, I'm also on Twitch, uh, and I obviously collaborate with Geektopia, which is the channel where we're trying to build up a library of interviews in Spanish, or at least closed caption with people from the industry. Um, I also am part of a podcast called Rolo Royo in Spanish, where we try to open up that those conversations about the industry and what's going on. Um, but majorly, you can find me with Claudia, uh, trying to go around the United States <laughs> to any and every convention that will have us so that we can run games in Spanish and English, but fun, whatever the language ends up
0: being. Fantastic. Well, you can find me at alphastream.org And from there you can get to all the other spots. Uh, our podcast can be followed on Twitter at mastering D and D great place to, uh, give us your tweet bag comments and, uh, mastering dungeons is a misdirected mark production. So, Hey, Mike and Claudia, what are we going to do now?
1: Well, I am totally going to kill some monsters and recruit volunteers for my cult of the Lamb. <laughs>
2: I will also kill some monsters and also try to break some gates and, and um, build some bridges.
0: <laughs> I like it. All right, fantastic. Thank you both so much for being on here and uh, we will see you on...